Yeah, it tends to work out best when the kids are the ones making that happen. That's today's guest, Bob Rogers Travel President Todd Rogers, talking about the challenges of making that trip grooming list. Welcome to Music Ed Insights. I'm Alan Fire here with Steve Shanley. Each episode, Alan and I talk with national thought leaders in music education with practical insights for K-12 music educators. Steve, tell us about our guest. From an early age, Todd Rogers and his sister Tammy were exposed to a world of music and a travel, which inspired them to step into their father's shoes as the second generation of leadership at Bob Rogers Travel. Percussionist with a degree in finance from the University of Iowa and over 20 years of experience in the travel industry, Todd consistently brings new ideas and innovative thinking to the business. Helping students experience new events through travel is Todd's primary motivation, and he is driven to discover new ways to enhance travel experiences and revolutionize the industry. Find Todd's full bio, show notes, and resources at www.musicedinsights.com. What was the high point for you in this interview, Alan? Most of our episodes contain nuggets of wisdom for all K-12 music educators, but this one is pretty much confined to music teachers who take students on trips. For those of you who do, it's got some great stuff, uh, including some great pointers on how to keep student trips affordable. What about you, Steve? Well, I was sad to edit out a lot of our back and forth chit chat because this episode ended up sounding like three old friends having a great time over dinner. I was thinking I'd release the unedited version, but I'm pretty sure no one besides you, Todd, and I would find that interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I think some people might. We'll, we'll put it to a vote, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, what did make the cut? Todd reminding us that although some trips may sell themselves to some students, the wise director will take time to tell students and families why this will be such a great life-changing experience. Very, very true. We better let our listeners know that I'm also a tour operator. Group Dynamic Tours is a part of my business. I've been taking student groups to Disney for 12 years. You'll hear Todd refer to that during this interview, and if you don't know that about me, it might be confusing when he does that. Uh, let's get to this information-packed conversation. Todd Rogers, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Well, let's start with the why for student travel. It's expensive. There are all sorts of opportunities for things to go wrong. A small percentage of the trip is likely spent making music. It takes a bunch of time to organize. Why should music teachers consider taking their groups on a trip? Well, it's a great question. Uh, how long did you say we have for this podcast? <laughs> As long as you need. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just think that we've seen the impact that travel has had on all of us individually. But after these tours, uh, the students come back, they've grown so much from taking a trip like this. And when they come back for reunions, you know, uh, talk about their high school careers or college, this is the highlight. Uh, and, and what they, they remember. It's also a great recruiting opportunity, especially coming out of the pandemic. But the cultural impact, I think, is really important. And we see that there's so much more you can learn and get from going to other places and, and seeing other cultures and, and experiencing different foods and people and, and places. So we really think there's not too many things like travel. Uh, and lastly, I just think the rapport that happens inside a program, you really see 
you know, those friendships grow. And we've seen programs take another step up in their level after getting back from a travel experience together. The next set of questions that I have for us to discuss are going to be maybe some of the not so pleasant areas of student travel that we need to deal with. But I encourage you to come back to this opening, which is it's a great thing. It's always been a great thing. It's going to continue to be a great thing. So let's figure out how to deal with some of these challenges. And so next, I'd like to dive into the price. Everything has become more expensive the last few years. I think most of us are well aware of the role that inflation has played in rising prices, but it has not hit all areas equally. And it appears, at least to me, that transportation has had an especially rough go of it. Uh, so what has this meant for student travel recently? You know, it is challenging with the driver shortages that are out there. You know, we've got some motor coach carriers that are not driving through the night any longer. And that's mostly related to the driver shortages and relay drivers. It takes more drivers to do an overnight trip because they got to set them ahead on the tour. But as you mentioned earlier, most people have seen these price increases across everything that they're doing. It's, it's at the gas station. It's at the grocery store. People are traveling again. So they're seeing flight costs and hotel costs. So surprisingly, we've had many people come to us and say, wow, I thought the price was going to be even higher. We are seeing more people doing fundraising and asking us you know, for advice to help with the cost uh, of the trips. Uh, and crowdfunding has been a new or newer way for kids to be raising funds uh, and not having to do the door-to-door the -door candy sales and, and having their parents sell a bunch of stuff that no one really wants. So the crowdfunding with our BRT payments system, that's going to be part of that soon. It's going to be happening probably in the first quarter where people will be able to utilize our payment system to do crowdfunding. So by that, you mean we can send an email to grandma and say, hey, if you want to help out with the trip, go put 20 bucks into this account and they can go right to that account and deposit it? You got it. That's exactly right. That does sound a lot easier than selling grapefruits. <laughs> it does. And, you know, I mean, I think we've been fortunate over the years because parents want their kids to have these experiences. And so they'll make other sacrifices to make sure their kids are having these opportunities to grow. So with that in mind, there are going to be some schools, some programs that even planning really far in advance, the crowdsourcing and so on, that the trip to Central Florida or Southern California or New York maybe just isn't going to work this next time or for the near future. What are some more affordable options that people might consider? Yeah, I mean, I'll start out with we're still seeing, you know, our data is supporting that the big destinations are still the big, big draw right now. I mean, so the, the director should not assume they can't afford it. They should at least let their travel company give them a quote on their dream destination. I think that's smart because the destination helps sell and get the kids excited. There's some smaller destinations that you can go to that they're not as excited about out of the gate. Once they're there, 
it's a fantastic trip and they, they love the experience, but it's the Orlando's, the New York's, the Nashville's, Chicago, LA, uh, that have the high demand that just draw the, the, the most attention. And, you know, that's half the battle because you either need the kids really excited about the trip or you need a director who is going to really, you know, dive in and, and do a great job selling how exciting this trip's going to be. You bring up a good point there that Todd Rogers and Alan Fire are two of the most dynamic people that I've met in terms of salesmanship. But if I'm the, the choir director, you know, my, my students really are, they might listen to you all give your pitch for a little bit, but it's really going to come down to how good of a salesperson I am, uh, especially if we're not maybe going to one of those sexier destinations that sort of sells itself. Let me tell you how awesome St. Louis is, you know, like that. Yeah. yeah. So back in the 1980s, 1990s, I would say most directors while planning their trip would look at their roster of students and break the students into two groups, male and female. And from there, it was assumed that all of those students were heterosexual, identified with the biological gender they were born with, and would share a bed with another heterosexual student of the same gender. And those assumptions are not nearly so commonplace today. And I've heard many of my music teacher friends talk about these challenges. So I have to imagine a travel company the size of yours has as well. What are you noticing? What are some things your clients have been doing to address these changes? What advice do you have to help teachers avoid angry phone calls from parents or ending up on the news? I would say most of our groups are having these conversations. So it's certainly a topic that we're having a lot of conversations around. We've kind of take the overarching principle of treating everybody with respect and inclusivity. And that's kind of our, our guiding principle. So that helps us to give some advice or guidelines, you know, to our clients, you know, we certainly lean on what their administration policies are. I mean, we're certainly not the ones here to, to make policy on that. We certainly are happy to give some guidance. We've talked to our legal team about this numerous times. You know, we've talked to our different associations because it's a conversation all the tour operators are having, but, you know, Student New Travel Association, National Tour Association, uh, and then, uh, you know, we're starting to dive in a little deeper into some other avenues to help educate not only our clients, but our team. Uh, we think that's really important because the more we know, the better we'll be able to help each other. What are some solutions or different approaches that some of your clients have taken or come up with on their own? And, you know, Alan and I understand there is not going to be a one size fits all for every person in every program in the country. So we, we are not intending this as legal advice either, just as you are not as well. But where a, a school, you thought for their population that they were serving came up with a solution that seemed to work pretty well. Yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot of different options and uh, ways that people have gone about this and, and it's changed, you know, from when this first came out, you know, a few years ago, when we started hearing a little bit more about this, some districts 
went to just putting people in their own room and, and making it a single. We never loved that idea just because of the safety concerns with having somebody in their own room and social media and, and everything else. Um, but some districts are requiring that you can only have two people in a room now. So, you know, that certainly adds some cost to the trip because they don't want people sharing beds because that's just been a, a regular practice in the past. We're seeing more requests for suites properties so that you have a third bed. So then you're, you're doing three to a room. We've got some schools that uh, allow the kids to just fill out the rooming list and they're not even getting the parents involved. And that tends to work the best because the kids are used to this and they're, they're having these conversations, they're friends, and it's not a big deal to them. It tends to be when, when parents get involved that this turns into a, a bigger issue. So, you know, you mentioned legalities. Well, there's a lot of privacy laws out there. And, and I think that's, you know, one of the guiding principles for, for districts or, you know, us. And so, you know, really not supposed to be asking some of these questions. It's kids' choice. And that's kind of the guidance that we've been given. At the end of the day, it is not up to the tour operator. It is up to the school to stick with their own policies. And I think it's important that they're sharing the rooming list policy up front and have a policy. We certainly have some schools that are still coming to us that don't have a policy. And then we're giving them some advice based on what other groups do. But the thing that we're seeing is as people start traveling and they start having these experiences, the next time it's figured out. So I believe, you know, we're going to see this just become more of the norm and it's not going to be, be an issue here. Yeah, it's real possible that uh, five years from now, this would be an irrelevant question. So there are some districts or programs that you've traveled with where they just leave it completely up to the students, sign up for a room with two other people or three other people, and they figure out those names and the director sends those to you. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yep, that's correct. Uh, and then we've had other schools where you have to pick one roommate. The director then pairs up uh, roommates after that. So everyone picks a roommate. So everybody's got somebody that they've connected with, and then they end up putting the rooms together. Yeah, it tends to work out best when the kids are the ones making that happen. And they're all friends. You know, they're going to room with their friends, and that tends to work the best. All right. So moving on to the lovely issue of the chaperones. <laughs> what advice do you have for directors when it comes to either selecting or training or giving gentle supervision to the chaperones on the trip itself? One of the most important things with chaperones is how you select the chaperones. I think it's important that you're picking people that are around your program. They volunteer for other things throughout the year and you actually get to know them and see how they interact with the students and with you and your leadership team. Because uh, to just select people blind can really have a negative impact on your trip. 
I think it's important to have a meeting before you even leave on the trip to, to set expectations so everyone knows what their roles are. They're there to support the director. They need to know this is not a family vacation. I think that's really important, but you can weed people out if they just decide, you know what, that's not for me. But you want to lay it out up front just in case if there are issues or challenges on tour, then you can refer back and address that. You know, over the last few years, we've developed a few tools to help our groups. We've got a, a chaperone white paper that we have, and then we've recently done a chaperone video. And so we've got those on our website under our resource center, but it takes you through the selection process, the training process, the on-tour process. It's a good guideline for them. You know, last piece, having a meeting each night on tour, I think is a must. First and foremost, I like to thank them for a great day. You know, I like to compliment the students because we're pretty fortunate with the great kids that we get to work with. Music students tend to be some of the best kids in the school and they do a great job on these tours. Yeah, they're still kids, but it's a nice thing to compliment how they're behaving and, and representing, you know, the school, the community and each other. And then I, I like to compliment the chaperones because we know it's long days. They're volunteering their time. They're giving up other things to be there and help support. And then review the day and then talk about the next day. It's just good for them to kind of know what's the plan, what's going to be happening. And then you just give them a few things that they have to prep the kids on. And so, hey, guys, this is what you need to know. We don't give the kids the whole full day schedule. We just tell them the things they need to, to take care of when they first wake up in the morning, whether it's performance day and you need to make sure you have your uniform and your instrument or it's your Disney ticket or whatever it is for that day, what time we need to be down for breakfast and on the bus. And then we tell them more as the day goes on. But it's nice to give those chaperones a little overview and not make it too long. Everyone wants to get to bed. Uh, it's the end of the day. And that keeps people happy. I like to sum up the job of a chaperone simply like this. It's your job to make sure that these students have an amazing trip. Love that. And I'll, I'll add one last thing. We like to hire private security or private chaperones that patrol the halls at night and just kind of keep an eye on our rooms. And I think that goes a long way because it used to be where the chaperones would be on shifts and staying up during the night, and then they'd be working the whole next day. And we all get a little cranky when we don't get enough sleep. So I think that's a huge thing that I encourage all of our groups to do. I have to imagine over time, you have taken quite a few directors on their first trip that they organized. And I'm curious what some of the most important advice that you have to offer for those people who are doing this for the very first time. You know, the first piece of advice that I give any music director or group leader is work with a tour operator. I think that's the, the biggest piece of advice that, that we can pass along. So if I said to you, Todd, I've been to Disney with my family before, 
I like I I know what that's like. I could do this myself. Do, do you have like a two sentence response for why I don't want to do that? <laughs> it's a much different experience with a <laughs> hundred of your closest friends with you, but uh, there's just a lot of logistics involved. We have insurances to help protect you and the school and the company from anything that could go wrong or or could happen on tour. So I think it's risky. I think it's risky for somebody to to plan a trip on their own, but then the time, I feel you've got so much on your plate as it is and and they don't they're not taking anything off your plate. They keep adding to it. So by trying to plan a tour on your own, you're taken away from your students at the end of the day. You guys have the gift of how you teach and what you you share with your students. I think that's the most valuable thing that you do and certainly an incredible profession. Back to things that we share with them. Steve, you mentioned something earlier about checking with your administration. You know, I think it's extremely important that you find out what is the, the procedures, get the approval from your administration, find out what policies there are or guidelines you need to follow, and then keep them informed throughout the process. A lot of groups will bring an administrator on the tour, which I think is beneficial. You know, obviously, if there's anything disciplinary that comes up, you've got the administrator on the trip that can kind of jump in and take care of those things. I think it's a great way for the administrators to see the incredible things that are happening with music groups in and out of the classroom. And you have an administrator on your trip and things tend not to go, go wrong. Right. right. Yeah. I, I'd add that uh, this is advice for first timers, but even experienced directors would do well to not forget the step of informing administrators, especially if it's a relatively new administrator to the director, to the program. And then also, and this is for experienced directors, to not get frustrated, uh, defensive, or resentful of the administration asking a lot of questions. There's a lot that happened during COVID to schools, not just trip stuff, but all kinds of unpredictable things. And so I'm seeing that administrators have more questions than ever before about trips. And some experienced directors are like, oh, I've never had to answer these questions before. Like the money, the refund policies, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And even some of the rooming stuff that we talked about earlier. And it's like, just go ahead and welcome it. It's it's gonna it's gonna ease their mind. They're thinking about things we haven't thought about before, but maybe that's not the worst idea. <laughs> we want them on our side. So for all those reasons, keep your administrators informed and welcome their questions and scrutiny and interest. Yeah, and another good reason to hire a tour operator like Alan or Bob Rogers Travel because you can push a lot of those questions to us and then we can help get those answers for you or provide you whatever documentation or certification you know that the district is requesting or looking for. I mean, certainly our professional liability insurance, you know, naming districts as an additional insured. I mean, there's a lot more of that that's happening and they're requesting more insurance coverage than ever before. Uh, Those are things that we can help you out with. But a few other things that I usually encourage first-time directors or first-time travelers with us, but definitely first-time travelers in general is asking for referrals. I think that's a really important piece. 
to find out who has worked with these tour operators and, and how was their experience. I think that's a really valuable thing to do, not just with travel, but in other areas of your life. I think, you know, we've all gotten recommendations from people and, and those tend to work out pretty well. That's a great point. You think about my wife and I have to replace our stove and, you know, that's what, $1,500. And I'm thinking about all the time we spent looking at reviews online and, and yet how many people would take a tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollar music trip and not do that. That's a really good point to get referrals on that when we do in other aspects of our life. But yeah, this is one where you maybe wouldn't even think to do that. Yeah. And then I think a few other areas that we encourage is, you know, we talked about the destination selection. I think that's really important for a first time traveler uh, is picking a popular destination to help get that excitement, you know, so that you and your kids are excited and you're going to have a successful first trip. Uh, And then I think, you know, back to the tour operator piece, you know, I think, you know, finding a company that collects the money for you or takes care of all that part of the registration process and money collection, and then provides you an avenue to, to get trip protection, you know, for your travelers. I mean, we've seen trip insurance go from about 10% pre-pandemic to about 75% of our travelers are now selecting trip protection. And we have that built right into our, our payment portal. So it just makes it really easy for the parents. It's very user-friendly, but those are just some of the things that I would encourage and and suggest for first-time travelers. Well, Todd Rogers, thank you so much for joining us today to share your insight on these important topics. Do you have time for us to ask you a few lightning round questions? Lightning round? Okay. (laughs) All right. Favorite dining establishment in the Chicagoland? Probably my newest favorite is called Lyra. It's a Greek restaurant in the Fulton Market. I highly recommend that restaurant. I will put one caveat. They start taking reservations about 30 days out. So you definitely got to book early because that's a tough one to get into. What is a musical artist or piece of music that you wish more people knew about? So I'll throw you a little curveball here, maybe. We'll see. But uh, have you heard of Rufus DeSoul? No. Okay. No, no. Kind of uh, an electronic dance pop, I would say, in the right right mood. It's, It's pretty awesome. How about a book recommendation for our listeners? The most recent one I read was The Hero Effect. Author is Kevin Brown. He actually was the keynote speaker uh, at Student New Travel Conference uh, this past August in D.C. Favorite film or TV series? So right now, I'm, I'm uh, into Yellowstone. That one's definitely got me. Uh, certainly Ted Lasso uh, is, is a favorite. I uh, can't wait for the next season. Uh, you just you just have no soul if you if you don't like Ted Lasso, right? That's right. That's I don't know if I don't know if I want to know you if you if you watch Ted Lasso <laughs> and say, eh. <laughs> well, it was the family business, so I know it's probably tough to imagine. But if you weren't in the travel industry, what career do you think you might have had? 
I was going to be a financial advisor. That's what I went to uh, the University of Iowa. And, uh, you know, coming back home after graduation, you know, I was interviewing for some jobs and just <laughs> none of them really fit. And my dad's like, hey, come try out BRT for 30 days. And uh, if you don't like it, you got nothing to lose. You're, you're still living at home and <laughs> you can go back to interviewing. So... Uh, <laughs> How, how many years later now? How many years yeah. since that moment? I don't know that I'm supposed to, to share that. that <laughs> uh, uh, and a few years later, here we are. Yeah. But, um, over, over, but no, I'm, I'm, I need to thank my dad after this. I'm very happy with the, the decision. And Bob Rogers Travel continues to thrive under your leadership. Todd Rogers, thank you so much for joining us to talk about student trips today. It's been great to have you. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, guys. You've been listening to Music Ed Insights. Please support this podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing it. We want to make this as thoughtful and practical as possible. Please send us your ideas for guests and suggestions for improvement. You can do that through our website, www.musicedinsights.com. You can also reach us on our Facebook page, Music Ed Insights, or via Twitter, at Music Ed Insights. Our website is also the place to find program notes, links, and a one-page download of this episode's key takeaways. That's www.musiced insights.com. This podcast is sponsored and supported by Normal Design, Winterset Websites, Group Dynamic, and the Co-College Music Education Program. Learn more about them at our website and let us know if your business or organization would like to join that list. New episodes drop every two weeks on Monday mornings. Get current. Stay relevant. Music Ed Insights.